0: Welcome to Spiritual Caffeine, the energy podcast that's good for you. I'm Dana Bishop Sanders, and this is Episode 9. It's a Part 2 episode, Avoiding Pistols at Dawn, How. (laughs) Part 1 was about the art of disagreeing, which is also Part 2, but now we're going to focus more on the how. We talked a little bit about that last time, and we'll go into that more this time in Part 2. Come join me. hi thanks for joining me today friend i'm so happy you're here because we get to talk more about the art of disagreeing but this is the how so to recap in part one we talked about three different ways people can approach a subject when they know there's going to be a disagreement and one way is just to avoid it just not to have the conversation and oftentimes we do that we tiptoe around controversial subjects right but we can also choose to engage and have a poor result because it just didn't go the way that we were hoping and maybe we weren't hoping for anything maybe we just got into it and then the third way of course is to engage and to make that choice and to have a good result sometimes a conversation will come up and i mentioned this in the last podcast but i had a weird editing thing that went on and I could not. uh, I don't know what happened. (laughs) I'm really good at this sometimes, and other times I press a button and have no idea what I press, and I don't know how to unpress it. So (laughs) anyway, the music kind of um, was too loud during the part that I was telling the title or speaking the title of the book um, that is called Crucial Conversations. And the crucial conversations is all about the art of disagreeing, and I highly recommend you take a look at that because sometimes a crucial conversation where we know it's very important, the topic is 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 quite important to both parties. We sometimes know when that conversation is going to take place, and we know it has to take place. We're just not sure how to approach it, but sometimes just a regular conversation can turn into a crucial conversation. So as we practice the art of disagreeing, we can learn how to handle both kinds of conversations. The ones we know are going to be difficult and the ones that all of a sudden you're in this terrain that is, it could be a war zone, right? We don't want pistols at dawn. So we are going to practice more about learning how to disagree. Um, So first of all, I want to start with something that I have found to be pretty key and foundational, and that is to get our intent right, to get our heart right. And this can happen before we know a crucial conversation has to take place, or it can happen in the moment as we see one is entering that territory of a crucial conversation. Um, one, one thing that is different, though, is if you know you're going to have a crucial conversation, to get my heart right i always will start with prayer if i remember sometimes if i don't remember to do that well i don't even want to say so I, I really don't know a lot of crucial conversations that i've had that have gone really well when prayer hasn't been involved before it and by prayer i mean you know prayer my individual prayer not with the other person although that can be a cool thing but that's just such a rare thing that's, that someone's open to doing that so i just mean my own personal prayer right If a conversation is normal, it's just a regular benign conversation and it starts entering that territory of a crucial conversation, again, you can send up a very quick silent prayer, help me, help me not to say something, Father, that you wouldn't want said, help me to speak from an open heart, help me to speak from a place of kindness, help me to feel love for this person who is also your child. These are all things that we can quickly pray for. The other thing that we talked about last time, and when I, when I say we talked about, you know, we're having this like imaginary conversation. I can't hear you, but I am imagining you. And wouldn't it be great to have a real conversation? This is truly where we want to have our heads. We want to have a real conversation where our ears are open, our hearts are open, and we're truly listening. And we don't have what we mentioned last time, this fool's choice of either this or that, right? It's not black and white thinking. We want to be in a place of being able to be surprised. It's so easy to say about a person that you would know a little bit or know kind of medium-ish or you really know that, oh, I know them. Do you really though? Be willing to be surprised. Do you ever surprise yourself? Do you know yourself better than anybody? I, I hope that's what you, you are going for is to know thyself, be true to thyself. And if we know ourselves more than anybody and we surprise ourselves, then doesn't it make sense that another person can surprise us? Can we allow ourselves to be surprised? I think for me, that's one of the keys as well is to say to myself, Yes, there's history. Yes, in the past, they've done this. But I am going to allow myself to be surprised because I'm going to learn something about them. I'm going to really be open to listening. Because also, even, even if you did truly know them as well as you know yourself, didn't they just change from last month or last year? I know some people think that people don't change. But in my experience, I've seen a lot of change in people in my life. So allow that sense of curiosity, which we talked about last podcast, to grow. Prepare to say to yourself, hmm, I'm really curious about why you think that. I'm really curious as to how you came to that conclusion. And again, if your intent is to really truly understand, and if your heart is in the right place, then the way that you say that, the tone in which you say that will communicate to the other person that you really are curious. You really do want to know. Ah. Let's talk about a people who had history, who made a decision to approach another people in a different way by not warring with them, not killing them. And I hope having a conversation that is productive, where hearts are open and ears are open as well. I'm going to go to the Book of Mormon in Alma 25. 14 because this particular verse I'm gonna get a little personal here when I was going through a divorce of um, 22 year of a 22 year marriage with my husband the father of my children it was a very difficult time to have any kind of productive conversation unless I a prayed before every conversation but also B, decided, and this was actually a decision I made way before the marriage ended, I was reading in Alma 2514, and I'll read it to you now, it said, and they did also bury their weapons of war. Burying our weapons of war is so important with people who have, we who we feel have hurt us or people who we feel have a history that um, makes it difficult to talk to them And I wrote in the margins of my scriptures, any relationship in order to grow needs to bury the weapons of war. I think this is so important. There's a beautiful song by Julie D'Azevedo called, um, I think it's called Out of Jail. And it, it is all about her decision to forgive a person in her life, I actually think it's her father, but to give a person forgive a person in her life who she had mentally and emotionally put in jail. It's time I let you out of jail You may not know it But you've done time, you've done time and this is what we do with people sometimes when we feel that they have hurt us and we don't want to be hurt again. We, we wall up or we jail up that person so that they can't hurt us anymore. Especially we feel that they've been in the wrong, right? They're in jail now. I was in the right. And I'm not at all saying that we shouldn't do that with some relationships that are very toxic or that we need to have major boundaries. And if your major boundary is a gel, then in order to protect you from being hurt, that I'm not talking about any of that. I'm talking about being able to make choices where we can bury a weapon of war or let someone out of jail in order to move forward in really being able to hear them. Because you cannot really hear somebody if you've already made a decision about a who they are and the way that you see them and what they're going to do in the future based on the past. If you're willing to be surprised and if you're willing to have an open heart, again with, you know, appropriate boundaries. If someone starts to to speak in a way that is hurtful to you, then you can obviously walk away from that conversation. But if the choice is to be is to understand them so that you can move forward and if that's a possibility, then we do need to bury are weapons of war, and we do need to let them out of jail in order to truly see them. We can actually objectify a person. It's not just a sexual thing, right? We can make them more of an it rather than a you. And when we think of them as an it, they're that, oh, they're that, we're completely objectifying them and categorizing them and. It's acting upon prejudice because we're prejudging what they're going to say. And again, please don't misunderstand me. I'm not talking about toxic relationships or somebody who is abusive and who you clearly need to have very firm boundaries as to how much you'll actually engage in conversation with them. But for the majority of people in our life, friends, our coworkers, our siblings, our spouses, anybody that is important in our life where we want to be able to have connection this is a very important way to approach a crucial conversation and actually any kind of conversation (laughs) where we can grow that relationship even a stranger be my friend so last episode we talked about a very crucial thing to say to ourselves that Jody Moore and Brooke Castillo from the Life Coach School teach and they go into a lot of depth of actually how to get to this question because it can be a very right a very hard question to ask and if you want to learn more specifically about the model that they teach you can listen to Jody Moore on her podcast Better Than Happy Uh, she has a lot of information on how to break down your thinking so that you can change a thought in order to have a different emotional response in order to then have a different action that you take which then gives us a different result this is a whole very cool model but again we can start with just saying to ourselves hmm what if i'm wrong could i be wrong or i could be wrong what Jody Moore and Brooke Castillo do is they unpack the thought that can lead to that, like unpacking what is a certain thought that could actually allow you to say, "No, that could be wrong," because if we can unpack that thought and just pause and take time to examine them and then assess, really, is this thought helpful? Is it helpful for me to absolutely 100% feel that I am right here? Or could it be helpful for me to just allow a small little amount of room for me to be wrong? Even on something you're absolutely 100% sure about. And maybe you can even ask the question, could I be wrong a little bit? (laughs) Could perhaps the way they see it help me at least to be wrong about them, at least to understand them a little bit more. So sometimes, I'll give you an example. I do this weird thing, which is to make up a story sometimes so that I can allow myself to be wrong. For instance, if a driver cuts me off, I think I've mentioned this before, I'll make up a story about why they did that. Maybe their wife is giving birth in the back seat and I just didn't even know that. Or maybe they're rushing to the airport because this is the last time that they're going to see their mother who is going to go off her chemotherapy and is probably going to not be alive in three weeks and they need to say goodbye to her at the airport or maybe they're going to an airport because they want to catch a plane, the only plane that's going to get them to see their son's championship soccer game in two neighboring states away. And if they miss that plane, they're going to miss the championship game or the performance that their daughter is in. The only time they could go see her in that performance is the only plane that's going to get them there on time. I may make up these stories, right? So that my thought changes about why they did what they did because it doesn't serve me to be mad at them for cutting me off. The first thought I'm going to have is what a jerk. Why can't they learn to drive? right and then that's going to create a feeling in me a feeling that doesn't serve me it's not helpful i don't want to be angry at them i don't want to have them ruin my next hour or my next 15 minutes of life or whatever <laughs> right i certainly don't want to pass that on that irritation or that anger so um rather than you know doing like a zen thing like i just make up a story or if somebody does something to me like uh, oh they didn't call me back and it was so important that I I needed to talk to them and maybe I reach out again and they're still not responding and then I you know maybe a third time and they're that so I could be wrong about why they're not responding it could be that they are going through something really difficult and so it's not about me it's about putting myself in a place where I could be wrong that they're just not calling me back or they're not they're not responding because They just don't want to because they don't care about me or they don't care about what I want to talk about or they don't care about my project or whatever it is that I wanted to talk to them about, right? I could be wrong. It could be that their phone uh, fell into the toilet and it's COVID and the AT&T store is out of what they need. (laughs) I mean, they're stupid stories, I know, but I... I do make them up sometimes because it allows me just that flexibility of being able to say to myself, yeah, I could be wrong. I could be wrong about that. And to give someone the benefit of the doubt. Because if we get the intent right uh, before we approach somebody and have that whole idea of, okay, we're going to have this conversation. Now, I think I know them, but I could be wrong. Like I'm going to allow for them to surprise me. Because isn't it cool that we don't all think alike and that we don't all have the same life experience, the same joys, the same hurts, the same pain, the same amazingness, the same talents, the same gifts. Isn't it incredible when we can actually connect with a person and we are changed forever because of our interaction with them and that we have had now... Our minds open to something or at least we understand them a little bit better because we approached it with the whole idea and the whole paradigm of I want to understand this person right even a stranger we live in such as an era now with social media and with division where civil discourse is a real art now and it is very crucial that we are able to really practice the art of disagreeing while still stay, staying in a civil discourse without it escalating or becoming going to a bad place, right? So we can negotiate civil discourse. There's a really cool book by Kurt Voss called Never Split the Difference. Kurt Voss, in case you don't know who he is, is a, I think is, maybe was, I'm gonna say was, an FBI negotiator in hostage situations. And his whole entire book is called Never Split the Difference because there is no splitting the difference when you've got a bunch of hostages. You can't really say, Well, okay, just let half them go, and the rest you can do with what you want. Let's just split the difference. You want all of those all of those hostages to be able to come out of that situation unharmed. And oftentimes, and, and that's not a bad thing to say, let's split the difference, but does anybody really win? Wouldn't it be better to say, In just a regular conversation especially a crucial conversation let's come to a point of understanding each other even if we completely still continue to disagree at least we understand each other where they're coming from in a way in which we connect and again that can happen only that connection can only happen if if our heart is open or we are soft rather than in the Book of Mormon when it talks about their hearts are hardened their hearts are softened in Alma there's an amazing scripture I think it's Alma 64 no actually it's Alma 62 verse 41 and um, it's pretty interesting because we've got a group of Nephites and Lamanites surprise who don't agree and the same circumstances are happening to each group but these are the circumstances in verse 41 it says but behold because of the exceedingly great length of the war between the Nephites and the Lamanites many had become hardened because of the exceedingly great length of the war and many were softened because of their afflictions insomuch that they did humble themselves before God even in the depths of humility I find this verse so fascinating because it's not just hey this group of Nephites are reacting this way this group of Lamanites are reacting this way it's actually the way it's worded it actually seems to imply that different people within each group chose made the choice to soften their heart or harden their heart I love this scripture and I think it's so amazing because again, it just shows us how much choice we actually have. So we can change the intent of our heart, doesn't matter the group, quote unquote, that we belong to or the circumstance that we find ourselves in, we still have choice. Will we harden? Will we soften? Have curiosity, seek to understand. So. In a negotiation hostage situation, the stakes are very high, they're so high, they couldn't be more high, but could they because honestly, when you're in a crucial conversation with somebody, the stakes are high. It can be the death of a relationship or a very fatal wound. It can be something that can escalate with a stranger or your boss or your coworker or a spouse or a sibling, right? So the stakes are high. And if what if you approached each conversation as the stakes are high? Like, I'm going to really see this person. I'm going to really understand them. In the um, book by Kurt Voss, Never Split the Difference, there are a few things that he talks about when you are in a volatile situation. Let's just say that the crucial conversation has escalated to that or there's already emotion involved, and you've gotten your heart right, but perhaps the other person is very emotional and and they're feeling a lot of hurt and pain or fear, and so you want to do something to de-escalate the situation. So he starts with some basic steps, and as I describe these steps to you, think of whom he calls the ultimate negotiator, which is Oprah. (laughs) To keep her in mind as I'm describing this, says step number one is to use your soft dj late night voice i'm thinking you know yeah she does that she has this really soothing soft late night dj voice or the other really great tone of voice is just like the happy playful like keep it light kind of voice keep it casual kind of voice right oprah does that too super well step two is to mirror Mirror is just simply confirming in a, not an annoying way, but in a really casual way that what the person has said is something you understand. And often it's just by simply repeating back the last three words that they just said, or using phrases like, it sounds like, or it seems like, or it, it feels like, you know, and then maybe restate in your own words, right? It's also really important to value silence. It's okay to have silence to slow things down first of all it helps the other person know that you are really ready to listen you don't have to jump in there and start talking this is another thing that Oprah is really good at she's very good at slowing things down and letting the other person know that she is really listening to them because she really is listening to them it's not a manipulative thing manipulative thing it's for real again this is about intent and where your heart is right and the rest of the book, um, Never Split the Difference, is really more about how to have these negotiation conversations when you really do want to get something, and how to diffuse that situation. So I'm not going to really talk much more about it because it's it's quite of a different approach than approaching a conversation where the entire outcome is only to understand. You don't have an agenda. You're not. Tr- you're. You know. Your, your agenda is not to release the hostages. You, you you have no agenda other than to connect and to really listen. The final book I want to call your attention to is an incredible book. It's been around for a few decades. And it is a book that applies universally, no matter what situation you're in, no matter what kind of relationship you're trying to build, what dialogue you're trying to create, any crucial conversation, uh, in the work that we can do to get our hearts right, to have our intent right. It's by C. Terry Warner, Bonds That Make Us Free, Healing Our Relationships, Coming To Ourselves. Many of you probably know about this book and have read it, and it's one of those books that is worth revisiting, rereading over and over again. It's that good. I'm reading from a chapter now called Opening Ourselves to Others, and this is um, all about a woman uh, who told the following story in a course that uh, Terry Warner was conducting, and these are her words. Erin doesn't care if her schoolwork is right, even cheats to get it done. Like any concerned mother, I have taken charge of the situation and I make her do her homework, even if it takes her hours. She whines and complains and I encourage her as cheerfully as is possible when a child is acting like that, but she keeps it up anyway. I get sterner until finally, yeah, I start yelling at her. The trouble with Erin is especially frustrating because for years I have given her my best efforts. Our first daughter, Ashley, was the most beautiful and delightful and gracious child I've ever known. She lit up the room she entered, but she was killed on the way to kindergarten nearly 10 years ago. Erin wasn't as naturally charming, and so, sensing the danger of the comparison with Ashley I would inevitably make, I decided that I would give her physical love, warm hugs every day of her life, and I've done that faithfully, but apparently to no avail. Well, because her work did not improve, her teacher recommended last week that she repeat the second grade. I was assigned to help Erin with her flashcards. She counts on her fingers or guesses or, I swear, gives the wrong answer when she knows. I'm sure she knows the right one. It is about as frustrating as anything I've ever done. I think, is she doing this on purpose? Why? I've been doing the right things to help her. She just refuses to cooperate. I haven't just provided a home for her. I mean, I've played with her and helped her with her homework and given her physical love. And then I've gotten kicked in the teeth. I mean, I I just don't know what more I can do. So then C. Terry Warner goes on to say that on the third session of their class, she recounts a moment with the class that completely changed the way that she viewed her daughter, Erin. The experiences in the class have helped me look at both Erin and myself differently. What I learned? Will be with me for the rest of my life. I realized how much I had been a part of Erin's problems, how I was always harder on her than on the others. When we worked on the flashcards, I was outwardly encouraging, but I was inwardly mistrusting her, and I felt she felt that message from me. I cried when I realized the price she had to pay for my inability to love her without reservation. Pause here. And again, if you're with another kind of uh, you're in another kind of relationship where it's not necessarily that you are feeling love for that person you, you don't really know how to access that love for them that's okay it's just the thought of hmm well i could be wrong or hmm i really want to understand where they are coming from after this realization i was a different person when i was with Aaron. One afternoon, we went over her flashcards. I believe she sensed something different about me because she missed only three out of some 30 cards, whereas before she would usually only get about three right. And to top it off, she lapped the table with a smile instead of tears. Things went fine for a couple of days, but I have learned that change doesn't happen overnight. Sunday was a real test day. Erin did everything imaginable to frustrate me. We tried to make Sunday a family day, and she said, I hate being with the family. I want to be with my friends. My normal response would have been, "Aaron, don't talk that way. You're gonna be with us today and we're gonna have fun together. But this time, I pulled her up on my lap and looked at her. I'm going to pause here for a second. Again, this is that opportunity to just to allow silence to creep in, just to allow silence, to let the other person know that you you are open. Your heart is open without jumping in with words. But this time, I pulled her up on my lap and looked at her, and I had this overwhelming feeling of love for her that just seemed to flow between us. I hugged her tightly and told her how much I love her. I realized that for the very first time in eight years, I was expressing true love for her. Previously, I'd hugged her, but the love didn't flow. This time, the love just flowed. It was as if I was holding a new baby for the first time. Tears were streaming down, and she looked at me and said, Are you crying because you love me, Mommy? I nodded. She whispered, Mommy, I want to stay with you forever. You can see the difference between when our heart is right and in the right place, and not that the love is going to flow and it's all kumbaya, but that people can tell when you say the exact same words, but you say them with intent that it, they i mean they can tell your intent. You can feel that, right? So I could say, yeah, okay, I really okay, I really want to understand you. Nothing wrong with saying it that way. You might believe me that I really want to understand you, but I can also say I really want to understand you. I really do. And there's a difference. And then there's the kind where we just say those words and it's it's super apparent that you you don't really want to understand them. Let's end with a beautiful verse from Mosiah 2 9. This is King Benjamin talking to his people about how he really wants them to open up to hear his words because his words could be hard to hear. He wants his words to be taken in the sense of an of openness. He says, open your ears that ye may hear and your hearts that you may understand. And your minds, that the mysteries of God may be unfolded to your view. I think we all have mysteries in us. We have the mystery of self, which we can come to know thyself, know ourselves better. We have the mystery of others. We have the mystery of what makes connection. But we can help create that when we have open minds and open hearts and the intent to truly listen and to truly understand. Thanks so much for being with me today. I so appreciate each one of you. I hope that you will do whatever you can to tell people to listen to this podcast. If you enjoyed listening to it, you can like it. You can subscribe to it. You can forward it and share it. You can even leave a comment. Hey, guess what? TheSpiritualCaffeine.com is actually up and running. Yay! Thank you, Squarespace, for helping me figure out my techno difficulties. So go to thespiritualcaffeine.com. You can see some show notes as well as uh, leave comments as well as um, message me with anything that you'd like to share. And you can also just, just message. Just do an email to thespiritualcaffeine at gmail.com. All right, have a great and fabulous week. Thanks for listening.